Welcome back to the Act 2 podcast, a podcast for the real-life working screenwriter. I am Tasha Hugh. And I am Josh Hallman. Guys, we had our very first live Q&A for Patreon members last week. It was really, really great. It was really cool to meet everyone. Mm -hmm. Instead of like pontificating on this podcast at Josh. Mm -hmm. uh we got to hear actual real questions that you're struggling with and wondering about in real time and get to talk through them it was great it was an hour-long session and the way we structured it was that two people were chosen at random to prep a question ahead of time and then ask it during the q a uh each of them were given 20 minutes for us to discuss it so daryl came in with a couple log lines of his and we workshopped them live which was really fun he messaged us just last week, actually, about how he feels they've improved since then, which is very cool to hear. Nikki asked us some really great questions about when do you let go of a project because you don't think it's any good anymore and just let it go. Also, being an introvert and how do you meet people and how do you network in an industry that's all about meeting people and networking, uh, yeah. which I could relate to. So thank you for that question. And then after that, we did this quick fire Q&A where in the last 20 minutes, we just answered as many questions as we could that were in the chat and I don't know. It was lovely. It was great. And that's it was from lovely. an introvert. Something I'm just really understanding more and more. And I'm just always reminded of is how difficult it is to meet people in this industry when you are a writer and when this is such a job that you do when you're by yourself and mm -hmm. there is no like specific way to do something. But I think, you know, it's just so important to have community and I, I, I'm going to figure this out one day. I'm going to figure out how to like, the secret sauce. The secret sauce. It's tough. It's really it. It's, it's really, tough. It, it was interesting because Nikki, who asked us one of the questions, she's also an author. And she was kind of mentioning that she has found typically, very generally, that like authors tend to be less open to community than screenwriters or less open to like helping others. And I've been sitting that with with that for a few days because it's very interesting. In in our industry, I think that just highlights the fact that our industry is so collaborative. It's so even though we're kind of all competing with each other for very few jobs in the industry without each other. There's no way we can have careers. Like I think yeah. it's, it's very rare to find screenwriters who are really just so isolated that they don't have yeah. a writing community to, to help them. Unless you're like Taylor Sheridan. Right. <laughs> right. And you just, you just isolate yourself on a ranch in Montana. Yeah. I would love, I would love to know what's He's going living on. my dream. <laughs> I know. <laughs> when I was a kid, I always wanted to move to Montana and just be by myself. <laughs> yeah. He's this person who just puts out like amazing shows, amazing yeah. movies. No one knows anything about him. He's got final cut basically on everything. And he's yeah. just kind of like, hey, man, this is it. Take it or leave it. At least that's the legend. That's the legend for sure. That's that's how Tasha is, everyone. <laughs> In my dreams. That is <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of, I have a This Week in Writing. I have a This Week in Writing, too. Should we do it? Yeah, This Week in Writing. This Week in Writing. Speaking of dreams. Go. I had a dream last night about screenwriting. And in the dream, I knew I was having a dream about screenwriting, but I was so stubborn about it in my dream because there was a puzzle. Like, there was something wasn't working in the screenplay in my dream. And then I was like, well, I'm going to fix it. And my dream Tasha was like, Tasha, it's a dream. You don't have to fix it. But then I was like, I don't care. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to stay in this dream until it's fixed. Whoa. And 
I think my dream self realized that I had a problem. <laughs> and that was kind of my dream. Okay. Let's, let's unpack. Let's unpack. <laughs> <laughs> so you never fixed the, the problem? <laughs> no. I had a stupid wake up <laughs> to come do podcasts with you. <laughs> That sounds like my dream, you know, where you're like, God, I have this problem. You know what? It'll fix itself. Yeah. And then you just walk yeah. away from it. <laughs> That's not, okay. I, I feel bad for you on that dream. Thank you. All I right. appreciate that. I have a little something. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Okay. I was thinking about our industry, Tasha. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about content, the distribution of content and how you know, certain episodes for certain TV shows or streaming shows are 20 minutes. Like the bear has an episode that's just like a 20 minute thing. And then it's more Mm -hmm. traditional in the 30 minute thing. And then there's 45 minute things. And, you know, we talk within the industry about how things are done in still like a 60 minute format or a 30 minute format, even though that's not fully true, even though you still have to, you know, deliver scripts in that, in that realm. And so I was thinking about short form content and how everyone has tried to do short form content, but hasn't really fully been cracked, like Quibi being the prime example. And, mm. you know, I don't, I don't know how into Quibi you were. I'm bringing this all up because there is a TV show. It's a cartoon. It's a kid's cartoon called Blueies, which yes. was this – you're familiar? I am familiar. Okay. So I've watched pretty much every single episode of Blueies. My okay. daughter loves Blueies, but I happen to love Blueies as well. And yeah. it is just such a pure show. And it's a seven-minute um, episode. And yeah. for those who don't know what Bluey's is, it's about these two dogs and their parents. And it's just – it hits the chords of just being like – it's just different. It just – it really hits a parent's heartstrings. It's just and, kind of – it's genuine, right? Yeah. Like like they're, they're real situations. Right. But done in a very like heartwarming way. Right. And anyway, I'm bringing this all up because I was like, Bluey's seven minute episodes, short form. Yeah. Granted, it's a cartoon, but I was yeah. thinking, why, why does Bluey's work? And mm. I really started to dive into the Blueys of it all. And here's a couple takeaways that I have. For the most part, Bluey's has a beginning, a middle, and an end. There's the setup, something happens, and then there's a message at the end. Mm-hmm. And also, all of these episodes are kind of standalone episodes where they're not like, you know, I think Quibi was kind of like, here's a five minute episode, and to get the next one, it's next week, and to get the next one, it's next week, where it was just this continuation. And so I was just trying to crack the short form code. And maybe it's all about having a proper story in seven minutes to 10 minutes or whatever, having them stand alone and not making everything connect like it's one long freaking movie just chopped up into five minutes. Mm-hmm. That's the end of my short form rant. That's it. I like it. Uh- Having worked in animation, I have now worked with some animation writers who have a lot of experience in kids' animation, mm-hmm. and I have no experience in kids' animation. And it was really interesting to hear them talk because they would talk about things like doing extremely short-form content, f- five minutes, seven minutes, three minutes even. And their key was always it needs a beginning, middle, and end, regardless of how long it is and how do you accomplish that in so short of of a space. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that is the the secret ingredient. Yeah, and even like in in longer form and features, when we're writing scenes, each scene should pretty much have a beginning, middle, and end, right? So, to a oh, certain yes. extent. And if you really just boil it down to that, of like, well, what's the setup? What's our middle? What's the end? You know, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. And something I'm always forced to think about and that my sort of co-producers on things always keep me honest on is arcs within scenes, arcs mm-hmm. within episodes, just arcs, 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 arcs. And sometimes I'm like, this character doesn't have an arc this episode. It just stuff happens to them. It's like, well, but no. <laughs> it's like, Tasha, you need, you need something. You need some kind of indication of a change of feeling or even just an indication of where this person is in their head, in their life, in this moment. And change to that over the course of a scene or an episode is really, really key to doing exactly what you're saying, investing in something and being pulled along with it rather than feeling like stuff just happens. So, but that's often stuff, I will be totally honest, come like those specifics, those details can often come in like draft three, four. So don't be afraid if it's not there, but know that in revisions, you got to start thinking about that stuff. Totally. I remember the last thing I'll say about this is like Spielberg. I want, when I was younger, I watched something about him directing and he would say, Every shot he has has a beginning, middle, and end. And Amazing. Like, and that was like the first I thing so I thought much. of. Yeah. So yeah. Good. Okay. So that's that. Okay. That, I, I want to crack short form. I think you could do it. Thank you. <laughs> Maybe just because you have ADD or something, but you could do it. <laughs> huh? Huh? <laughs> Squirrel. <laughs> All right. What is our topic today, Josh? Because you, you chose it and I have follow-up questions. Well, it all stemmed <laughs> from something uh, we saw uh, from Margot Robbie. Mm-hmm. She was talking about being uncomfortable and creating comfort in discomfort or finding comfort in being uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. it really resonated with me. And I talked to you about it. And I was reminded at with how this industry is an industry that puts you into the most vulnerable position in every area. You are exposing your soul to talk to people about things that you write. And it even from the ground floor to right when you get in and telling someone, I'm a screenwriter or I'm pursuing the arts, or whatever it may be, it's very, very uncomfortable. I agree. <laughs> so it it or I mean some people, some people just know and they're proud and that that's that's the right place to get to. But you you go through waves, right? And so anyway, that's where this all stemmed from is just the idea of finding comfort in the discomfort. I hear that. Yeah, that was that was really well put. Everything is on the line it feels like and there's almost no way to feel <laughs> comfortable. Like, like I feel like a big a big journey that we have that we have to always actively work on as screenwriters is just trying to be comfortable every right. day <laughs> in situations that are anything but. Yeah, so I guess I want to ask you when you came in, when you were like you were in college, right? Or you knew you wanted to be a writer at a young age. You wanted to be in the. You wanted to write novels, mm-hmm. right? Or yeah. you want when you wanted to pursue the entertainment industry. When you first started, was it hard for you to tell people and just to admit and be like, "I want to be in the entertainment industry"? I never said that. I always, I always said I want to be a writer. And was that hard? No, it wasn't hard to. S- well mm, that's a lie like it's not necessarily hard to say but it's like surrounded by all of these hard feelings which is that everyone is like yeah right you and one million other people who are here okay Mm -hmm. kid whatever i've definitely had experiences where like i was an assistant and i found out another assistant wanted to write so i went over to his desk was like hey 
I heard you want to be a writer. That's so cool. Like I, I also write. He's like, cool kid, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like he, like he, he was like, I am above you in my writing, and I like, I don't need whatever this desperation is. Yeah. And I remember you being so hurt because again, I was like, but I thought like you would be the one person who wouldn't judge me <laughs> for wanting to be this thing because it, it is, it does feel like it's so impossible to be a writer that whenever you tell someone at an early stage that you want to be a writer in Hollywood, they very, they're like. Okay, cool. Like, good for you. Um, yeah. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and there's so many different things that we do, which I thought we could also talk about, that just put you out of your comfort zone. Every day. Every day. Every, I, I already have like, I was like, I don't know what to talk about. I'm never uncomfortable. <laughs> it's just a lie. It's a total lie. Um, but yes, yeah, like, okay, I'm just, I'll just start with pitches. Every time you pitch is extremely uncomfortable because you have sat with yourself over these ideas and you believe in these ideas and you're taking a shot. Like you are basically like jumping off a cliff and free falling when you pitch because you have no idea what the listener wants to hear, what they're going to buy, what they've already heard and disliked, what they've heard and liked. Another writer that they're already down the road with that they haven't told you about. Like there are so many things that you don't know when you mm-hmm. enter a pitch and then you're just speaking from the heart about something and believing really hard in your idea. I remember one time a producer said to me, I heard a pitch about King Arthur. And I was like, okay, like she's telling me this because I have a King Arthur story and I I hope that this person did well. And she's like, no, he, he crashed and burned because as he was talking to me, I pointed out all these logic holes in his idea and he didn't have answers for them. And she was saying that like, isn't he an idiot? And I was like, that poor man. Yeah. <laughs> that poor man because he did so much work to make that movie work. And then you go in and you just start poking little holes because it's so easy to listen and poke holes. Yeah. And he could fix them if he just had to. So I don't Pitching is really hard. I'm always uncomfortable when I do it. The more I do it, the less um, uncomfortable I feel. But that's just always going to be one of them. Is that your highest degree of feeling uncomfortable pitching? Not anymore. Because I've started pitching. This is actually, I'm realizing in this moment, um, the more that I pitch to what I want to do (laughs) and -hmm. less about what they, what I think they want and guessing about what they will buy the more I'm comfortable in the pitch because even if they hate it I'll be like well this is the movie I would write so yeah I'm okay if you hate it because I don't want to write a different version than this which is really it's really helpful for the like uncomfortability part and I guess that's where the uncomfortability comes from is that little piece of trying to guess what they want trying to hit that mark Um, and if you stop doing that maybe you'll feel more comfortable I don't think that's actually the most uncomfortable for me Networking is really uncomfortable for me. Going to parties. The Act 2 event was very hard for me. Right? Right. Like, like, like going, to, going to things like that is still very, very difficult for me. And then I would say like sh- different showrunner, pieces of being a showrunner, those m- different meetings I have to go in where I'm not qualified. <laughs> like yeah. I don't know anything about music. We've talked about this on the set. I don't know anything about music. I go into a meeting with a composer and that's very uncomfortable for me because I don't know how to articulate anything to them. Um, they have knowledge that I absolutely do not. And like, that's just sort of off balance dynamic um, is very uncomfortable for me currently. Like, I'm sure I will get over this at some point in my life, but like, for those sure. are the ones for me. That's the beauty of it though, is that you have a very special skill, you know, you're John Wick at killing and then someone else is the person who puts the hit outs 
you know, like, right. They're like, <laughs> <laughs> so that's, you know, that's why people have a, a very specific skill. Yeah. Also generals, like generals also make me very uncomfortable. Really? They do. I just like, I, Cause I was thinking, okay, what are meetings that I've been like really uncomfortable with lately or that like I can feel like anxiety building in my chest. And I think they are those meetings where I have to meet new executives and prove to them or put off a feeling to them that I am qualified and, and they can trust me with stuff, especially yeah. if they're bigger producers who have seen to your point that you always talk about, like the sort of uh, really experienced grizzled Hollywood exec who's been in this business for ages and they've, they've met all the A-listers. Who the fuck are you? Like yeah. those meetings give me a lot of anxiety and make me feel very uncomfortable. Those are, I do always reference those because I think those for me are also like the meetings where you're like, I, there's just something about it that that dynamic mm -hmm. of this, the older individual that they they are firm in believing that they know what they're doing and they've had the track record and they're always looking down on you and you're st yes. you're always kind of trying to prove yourself a little bit or trying to act like you're not trying to prove yourself or whatever that dynamic right. is those meetings always kill me always yeah they, yeah you always feel pretty small in those meetings i had uh, once i had taken a, a spec out and i met two people and one, uh, two executives and i remember they were like like what someone walked in the room and was like, Oh, is that, is this the guy who wrote that script? Like he walked in the room out of nowhere and like mm. interrupted the meeting and was like, Oh, is the, are mm. you the guy who wrote this script that we just read? I was like, yeah. And uh, he's like, yeah, we're not going to buy it, but you know, you're just getting started. So good luck to you. And I was like, thank you. But like, I was no. like, just getting started. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was like, I've been grinding away for ages. Maybe that's why I bring up the grizzled vet because this story just wrecked me. Was was he a grizzled vet or was he just like some young he was exec a, He was a little older, not grizzled vet, but kind of like on his way to become one. Kind of a dick. Kind wow, of. that's a dick thing to say. Yeah. Like how do you come back from that in the meeting? Yeah, because now you're sitting with these execs and you've just, he just been he, he walked belittled. out. Yeah, he just walked out. And I was, I was like totally just embarrassed you kind of i like laughed it off and i was like oh okay you know and tried to play it off while i was just oh, dying God. on the inside that's gross what a gross human i'm sorry yeah. those are yeah. i've had i've i can't like recall like the exact wording or the exact instance like you can but i've definitely been in meetings and i completely relate to that feeling where you because what's so hard about these generals and these pitches is that you do have to come in as if you are somebody just like to keep to keep your energy up, to keep your confidence in a certain place. Like even if you have to lie to yourself, which I have had to do to be like, I'm like the imposter syndrome, right? Like I deserve to be here. <laughs> I can do this. Like all these things you tell yourself as you go into these meetings. And then I have been told in those meetings while I'm trying actively to, to be this certain way, you're not good enough. Or uh, you're, you're young, you have a lot to learn or um, whatever, like people have put me in a place they felt like I belonged. They've belittled mm -hmm. me for some reason as a writer and made me feel so small. And it's so hard to come back from that because again, you're like trying, you're putting on this persona and then it just sh is shattered externally and you sort of don't know how to recover. Yeah. But all of those instances of being uncomfortable have made us stronger, right, Josh? I, I will actually say 
Yes. You can actually go two different ways. You can take the path of like the disgruntled writer who is it just pissed. You. It breaks you. And I think we know people like that where mm-hmm. there's, you know, they're just like, man, and just triggered. Something happens in this person's shitting on something or shitting on someone. So there's that path. And then there's the other path where it's just kind of like, you just got to stay strong and yeah. try to understand why that person's coming from their pers- why they're saying what they're saying. And yeah. And I think it's just like be- believing in yourself and knowing, Hey, maybe like, maybe they did read a script and didn't like it. And that's fine. Maybe that's not my best script. That's also fine. But I know that I have it in me to be great. And I don't know. It's very it's it's so hard. That's the hardest part of our job is to to continue to believe in yourself every day when there are other people telling you either literally you can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> or or just insinuating it through um, extensive notes or not hiring you or microaggressions in a meeting, all the all the myriad things we all have to deal with. It's fucking hard. This yeah. is this is both depressing me and and making me feel good about my life choices. I don't know how both those things can be true. <laughs> you know, what's weird is I feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm proud of us, Josh. Like we've gone yeah. through so much shit and we're still trying. Yeah. I'm so broken. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I felt that crack no, in the voice. I, I was just... <laughs> You know, I was just thinking about, I don't know, man. Yeah, you you just, this, it's all connected though, right? Like our previous episode of imposter syndrome, uh, being uncomfortable and then being questioned and all of these different elements. It's like, it's all weirdly connected. And I'm just, I was just thinking about like, while you were talking, I'll just go into this. And I was just talking about this right before we started to record. I have a meeting about, changing the uh, dynamic of a script, a feature that I've written where it just changes around like, you know, the, the different characters and the genders and everything like that. So I was, I was in this mode where I'm like, I love my original script, but then you enter like the seeds of doubt. You're like, well, may, am I going to end up changing it? Maybe I should change it. Nothing happened with this. Like it's what's happening with just kicking around. The reason I'm bringing this up is because it, that all kind of contributes to this idea of like it almost creates like a little bit of doubt like and then you're like questioning yourself and then you're like well mm-hmm. should i make these changes is this going to be free work and then you're and then it like leads to being uncomfortable is where i'm getting with this and it like it's like this thread of things that happen and it's so common and i'm 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 kind of going down a little therapy session right now so i'm going to try to reel this back in but no um, that's what this is for you're so right and i and i think that's just like a, you just have a meeting in 30 minutes and like it it's just it's just a kind of in some ways an everyday meeting to just talk about a project and about where it could go. But especially building up to those meetings, there's always like, what am I doing? Oh God, I'm going to make myself an idiot or, oh God, I'm going to agree to something that I don't want to do or they're going to take advantage of me. Like so many thoughts start boiling in your head that make you uncomfortable and anxiety ridden that preps you for the meeting in a really great way. So I think (laughs) the, the point is that every day, these things come up and every day we have to work on stamping them down, dealing with them, telling ourselves they're not true. Like it's like a daily practice. And I agree with you. The writers who are unable to um, do this for themselves, do that sort of mental work, um, but also aren't prepared that this is part of the job. 
can get very discouraged very quickly can feel resentful. Like we've seen all kinds of writers who have dealt with it in different ways. Um, But you do sort of have to find a way to persevere. If it's therapy, you got to do it's therapy. You got to do. I've definitely done therapy for my career (laughs) specifically for how I deal (laughs) with stress and anxiety and imposter syndrome and, and all of that. It's real. All right. So let's try to, let's try to, let's try to bring this to a, a positive. Okay. I feel like you had things written down. I just stepped on all of it. I just blew it up. I came in highly caffeinated, just torpedoed anything we were like a, a rhythm. So the idea of becoming comfortable yes. with this uncomfort. Yes. Yeah. So the where this came from, as Josh said, it was Margot Robbie doing kind of a round table with other nominated actresses of 2023. And she's talking about Barbie and how difficult it was to get Barbie through the studio system because the studio point of view is why would we spend so much money on this movie if men aren't going to go see it? And of course, her response and Greta Gerwig's response was, well, why wouldn't men see it? Well, men don't want to see a Barbie movie. Well, men will go see a good movie. And then they kind of realized they needed to create this mantra for themselves as well as the studio executives that this movie and the things we're going to talk about, the themes, the writing, the things you're going to have to pay for, it's all going to make you uncomfortable. But that's just something we have to sit with. We have to sit with feeling uncomfortable and uncertain. These are the risks we take to do something great. And I think maybe that's what inspired you. That's what I took away from it is, and it really does go with our imposter syndrome episode in a very great way, which is there are so many times we have to be uncomfortable and sit with it and power through. And that makes us better creators. And so like a couple things came up just this week, actually, creatively. I was talking to some a director about a certain scene. And there's something wrong with the scene to me. And I wrote it, so it's my fault. But she was sort of interpreting the scene. I was like, there's something, there's something bumping me here. And I realized that it was something because how do I how do I put it? Um, see, it's making me uncomfortable yeah. having to like re- retell this story. And by the but way, it, not yeah. your fault. It's not your fault. <laughs> I mean, I wrote it, it's my fault. So the, in the scene, there's this there's this white woman who kills a black man in like this kind of magical way. And it's like a very brutal death. And the point is to show that she is a brutal villain who is going to now like try to do brutal things. And something was bothering me about how this death happened. And again, I wrote it, but when seeing it, I realized it was making me uncomfortable in a way that was not good. Mm -hmm. And so we just started talking. I tried and I couldn't articulate why. And then I realized like this, this, this black man does not have a hero moment here. He's just brutalized and that's it. And I get that that was originally the point, but when you see it, that's not okay. And we need to give him a hero. He still needs to die. That's part of the story. And that's what launches the whole season forward. But can he have a hero moment? Can he have like a smile when it's happening that gives him some kind of empowerment? And I had to have this conversation with, it was all white people on the call and like, I'm not black either, but I am brown. And like, I have certain feelings about this that they weren't, they clearly weren't getting. And I had to have, like, again, I feel uncomfortable even even retelling the story, but yeah. I had to have that conversation because it was bothering me. And I, I knew that if I let it go, it would always bother me. And then we'd get too yeah. far down the road before we could change it. And I asked um, someone after the meeting who was actually one other person who was of color in the meeting. And I was like, is this, am I crazy? Like, did I, 
am I overthinking this? And she's like, no, I felt the same way when I watched it, but I didn't know what, like why that bothered me. Right. Um, and you articulated it perfectly. So it's like, okay, like there, there is something to these gut feelings we have and then speaking to them. And I think that that's kind of what Margot Robbie was talking about was to create something new and great and like true. You do have to challenge people to think differently. And it was, what's interesting is I told this story to another TV writer and she had an exact same story where she had a, a, a white showrunner and then had to sort of explain to him that you can't do that to your, it was a mixed race character because, because of all these like historical things that you're not thinking about. And she's like, it was super uncomfortable for me. I didn't want to tell him, but then I re realized I had to. So she emailed him separately and like, I just really admired her for that because I know it's especially if you're going to tell a showrunner or someone who's a boss or a producer or a studio executive that they're wrong or they're thinking wrong is so fucking hard. But I think Barbie is such a great example of how they did that at every step of the way. I mean, we've told stories on this podcast where there were scenes that they shot and the studio was like, you got to edit that out. Mm -hmm. And Greta was like, no, this is key. Like, I think we talked about the scene with the old woman at the bus stop where Barbie sits next to her and says, you're beautiful. Yeah. And the studio wanted to cut it out. And she's like, this is literally key to the entire movie. I'm not doing that. And I, I will walk you through why, <laughs> but I'm not yeah. doing that. Um, wow. So, yeah, I mean, I, it's it happens from being uncomfortable yeah. at, at networking and, and meetings to like creative stuff. It just never goes away. But what, what was interesting, I, I don't know if I'm taking this from you or Margot Robbie that I'm stealing yeah. this from, but the idea of feeling empowered. I, I know it's it's easy to conflate the two of us, I guess. No, I was like, yeah, who, who said <laughs> that? <laughs> um, I, uh, the, the, oh, the idea of being empowered, right? Like that, and if, if you can kind of shift your brain into being like, you know, this uncomfortable moment is actually a moment that I, I feel empowered in. Like I don't, mm -hmm. if you, that's, I listen, that's a superpower if you can get there on a regular basis and that's how you're feeling. Yeah. But I think that's the goal. That's the, that's, that's the, that's the goal. Yeah. And I think you get there by being okay with the uncomfortable feelings that you have. Oh man. I'm thinking of that frozen song into the unknown. I just want to play it right now. Every day. Every, every friggin' day. <laughs> and also something else that you said that is really great, or maybe Margot Robbie said it earlier in this podcast is, um, the idea of just being confident in your script. Like, listen, I don't mean to talk about my own scripts again, but I submitted something to writers group where I've like, I have this idea. I've talked about this before. It deals with like kids and school and this and that. And it's just like, I just want it to be this very one thing. And it's kind of missing this hook. And I understand that that's what I've been told by my reps, but with the guidance of my writers group, I'm going to get to a point where I'm just like, I'm content. This is what it is. This is what I want it to be. And I'm proud of it. And it's giving me a little bit more confidence in that realm uh, just because it's uncomfortable. It's like submitting these things and getting feedback and then you're feeling vulnerable and you're questioning yourself. And what you had said earlier about pitching, that idea of like, this is the story I want to tell. Mm -hmm. I'm comfortable with how this is going to play out, like no matter what. Again, yeah, very hard to attain that level of peace. It's very hard. And there is a level of... I'm going to use the word privilege, though I don't totally mean that and all that comes with it. But when I was first starting out where like I needed a job or I was not, I would have to borrow money from my parents to pay my rent kind of situation. Mm -hmm. I was always pitching to what 
people wanted because I needed that job. So I needed to get in their head somehow to figure out what they wanted and give them what they wanted. But I will say I learned after a ye- my crazy year of pitching, which I've talked about, that is not the best pitch. So if I had actually started feeling like I was from a place of privilege, meaning I don't need this job, I fucking need this job, but I don't need this job. I'm going to focus on what I love in the movie I would want to tell. And I almost kind of don't care about you. Now I'm going to, of course, write the movie you need to make because this still is a business, but I'm going to write to the themes and the characters that I know I would kill and that I really believe in. Because if I get this job, you're going to want me to care about this or I'm not going to write a a good script anyways. So like as soon as I learned that, because I was losing jobs left and right, even though I was trying to write exactly what they wanted. So uh, even though it feels like you have to do that, particularly early in your career when you just need a job, the truth is actually the opposite. That the more you have a voice, the more you have an opinion in your pitch, and the more you're telling something that you're passionate about, the more the producer is likely to hire you. And I know that doesn't seem like that's true, but that is true. Yeah, no, no. I by the way, I think we need a um like a, a short story called My Year of Pitching. Just <laughs> that is like an indie film that's <laughs> like a, one of those heartwarming Sundance darlings of just like misery and then coming out feeling yeah. empowered at the end. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, and by the way, to that point you were just making in the industry, you know. If you have a good contained movie because the budget's low, it's probably good to pursue that. But like, don't be writing like a five hundred billion dollar movie and then use that as your spec to try to sell because it's it's going to be difficult to to get made, right? Like, you're, I, 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 what you're saying, I think was like follow your your characters and your themes and what you want to yes, pitch on. Follow your heart in terms of of that, but obviously know your the industry audience. I know your yeah, <laughs> yeah. Being uncomfortable. It's a good one. I'll be thinking about this idea a lot. Leaning into it. Leaning into yeah. the idea of being uncomfortable. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Me too. Did we just like have therapy? Did we just what what just happened? I think we did. I feel relieved. <laughs> All right. Quote of the day. Be not afraid of discomfort. If you can't put yourself in a situation where you are uncomfortable, then you will never grow. You will never change. You'll never learn. Jason Reynolds. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. I'm Josh Hallman on Instagram, Joshua Hallman on Twitter. And as always, the Act 2 podcast is a production of Act 2, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist. Mm-hmm.